You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Monster House presents Monster Talk is an independent podcast production of Monster House, LLC. You can show your support by subscribing to our ad-free extended episodes at patreon.com forward slash monster talk. We want to grow our Monster Talk audience, and the easiest way to accomplish that is for listeners to leave us five-star reviews on iTunes. Positive reviews have a huge impact and only take a moment. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Hey there, Monster Talkers. This week we're continuing to broadcast from our YouTube series, Debased on a True Story, where we look at the real stories behind famous horror movies. This episode's about The Exorcist, and once again we welcome paranormal investigator and Karen's partner in marriage and investigating, Matt Baxter. Karen's hard at work finishing up her next book, and I'm hard at work getting through the backlog of things that slipped off schedule after my bout with COVID. But we thank you for your patience, and we're hard at work on scheduling interviews for more content in the traditional Monster Talk style. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy these special episodes. You can always catch these at our video channel at youtube.com forward slash Monster Talk. There's also a link to that in the show notes. Monster Talk. So, welcome to Monster Talk. This is another one of our Debased on a True Story series that we're doing where we're looking at the facts behind famous horror movies. Today, we're covering a movie some of you may have heard of called The Exorcist. And to cover that material, we have our regular co-host, Karen. Hi. Hi, guys. Good to be here. And yeah, um, I think this is said to be the the most frightening horror movie of all time. So it's pretty this, good. Is gonna, this is a fun one. And, and we're joined by Matthew Baxter as well. This is, I think, his favorite movie. Yeah, I, I might be growing out of it at this point, but uh, I've I've seen the movie probably fifty times, maybe. Wow! Do you, do you get it now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. It was. I think he can was... recite every line. Wow! I never understood the the joke about I need an old priest and a young priest. Now I get it. Now you get it. Now you get it. <laughs> yeah. So this was a, a this is a, a movie from nineteen seventy three. It's uh, directed by uh, Billy Freakin. Oh, yeah, yeah. William Freakin. Yeah, yeah. So I was freaking out there for a second. Um, but it's based on the novel. Uh, I handed that one to you, didn't I? Thank you. So and yeah, it was uh, based on the novel by William Peter Blatty from 1971. Mm-hmm. And Blatty's novel itself is allegedly based on a true story. And I guess we're mm-hmm. going to talk a little bit about that today. And we're also going to talk about the alleged curse of the motion picture and uh, how people reacted to this because it was one of the first real blockbusters literally had people lining up around the block and vomiting and vomiting so yeah not at the same time no no no, but yeah i mean lots of movies we've talked on the monster talk before about movies like movies by william castle who who had these sort of gimmicks you know having a nurse in this uh, the 
lobby of the theater are uh, handing out barf bags, that sort of thing. But uh, this movie had people fainting and throwing up and doing all kinds of interesting things. Running and, and immediately to the nearest Catholic church. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 that led to a big spike in uh, Americans' religiosity, I would say. So, yeah, uh, it, it just, to yeah. say. A- to say about that yeah and, and what the producers Jew as well and yeah. talking about a an ancient god from a that's not catholic or an ancient uh I was a Mesopotamian deity yeah deity. yeah yeah so who, um, who uh blake actually has a, a head of i do i do so <laughs> that the, explains everything yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about all these things let's let's start though since you love this movie, Matthew, you want to tell us the basic plot of the film for people who may not have seen it? Or should they just pause here and go watch it and come back? Yeah, yeah. 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 Seen That's it, a good idea. Pause and then come back. Uh, it's it's, a, it's a great family movie, too. Just something for everyone. In Absolutely. Family, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw it when I was uh I saw it when I was eleven. Uh wow. the first time. Yep. So yeah, I was terrified because you know she was twelve in the movie. So yeah. I thought, oh no, I've got a year. I've got a year before I get possessed because that's how it goes. So, yeah, I was terrifying. But, yeah, basically what you've got is this priest who has been through a lot of his career battling this one particular demon that has plagued him, I guess you could say. So, yeah, in in Africa, when he was younger, he was a missionary and he had to do an exorcism on this young boy. No, this is not in the movie. This is just a little behind the the story uh, information for you. And uh, so he's come to know this demon rather well. And the beginning of the movie is that demon saying, you better get ready, because here I come again, much like a damn Yankee song. So we switch to Georgetown. Uh, is, is that Maryland, Washington, D.C.? Is it D.C.? Yeah. Yep. And it's this actress and her young daughter are staying there as uh, she's filming a movie. And uh, she finds a Ouija board. The little girl finds a Ouija board. And, you know, the father's not in the picture. So I think any kind of... Uh, father figure is good but not always when the father figure is named captain howdy uh, that can be a big problem but uh the little girl ends up getting possessed a priest that is having problems of faith that is also a psychologist a young um, priest right yes yep. yes the young priest in this story <laughs> he doesn't believe that she's you know possessed and until it gets to a point that he thinks maybe it's possible so they bring in this older priest who happens to be the priest who knows this demon and they come in and they do battle and it's epic epic and the moral of the story is i don't know it's i'm still lost there i don't know what the moral yeah is. It's, it's pretty don't, don't get possessed yeah it, it yeah it, 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 it's stay it's away movie. from captain howdy so yeah, i love i mean there's all these big themes around uh people who've lost their faith and mm-hmm. um you know the young priest spends a lot of time testing the demon to see if it's real or if it's fake in the Which book in with the law about about demons as well that yeah uh, you know to, to be possessed that you need to show these particular signs and um you know to, to be able to speak multiple languages or different languages that haven't been learnt by the the person and feats of strength you've got to yes. feats of strength and you got to have un, unknowable knowledge and yeah all that kind of stuff so it's no it's it's just a brilliant horror movie but i, I think one of the the things that always amazed me was how it bled over so much into people believing it was real. And I, I don't, I, I think obviously it starts off, but, but being based on a true story in the sense that that was part of the narrative around the marketing, but also they use a lot of authentic Catholic wording around the ritual. And I mean, they, I, parts of it, like they seem to like really push towards verisimilitude and then parts of it, what the demon gets up to is way over the top, you know, like uh, famously the uh, head spinning scene where that just isn't possible. Like no one's coming back from that. Right. Right. (laughs) When you said famously, I thought you were going to talk about another scene. And well, there's like, there's so many famous scenes in this movie. Um, They really are. I think they were very shocking for their time. I do have to say about the head spinning thing is that, one of the powers of these demons is to make you think you're seeing something that you're not actually seeing. So you could file that under that, that it didn't, her head didn't actually spin. She created the illusion that everyone thought her head was spinning, whether or not that was the intention 
of of Blatty. I don't know. But I know that that is one of the things is that the demon likes to fool you, likes to trick you, likes to make yeah. you think you're seeing things. Can, you know, these illusions like, you know, it turning into Damien Karras's mother uh, sitting on the bed. It didn't literally turn into her mother. It was an illusion. Um, well, speaking like the old bum also. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Can we Go talk ahead. just a little bit about the the mythology behind this? Because, you know, this I don't think that they were actually a Catholic family, were they? No, no, no. And no. Uh, so then they're, they're, I guess it's the, the doctors who suggest that she gets an exorcism, but I don't think it's because they have any belief that she is truly possessed. Right. It's just a, a suggestion because they feel they've exhausted everything from a, a medical perspective. Right, there might be psychological, and that this, these are psychosomatic symptoms. And therefore, right. if she believes it's demonic, then having her go through the ritual might be helpful. It's like Cathartic. a psychological therapy. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, uh, but uh, I just think it's interesting that they start with uh, this this dig, archaeological dig in Iraq, and then they start talking about this uh, Mesopotamian uh, deity. And I'm just wondering what the connection is between Pazuzu, this, this deity, and the Catholic Church and requiring a an exorcism. Well, kind this of confusing. Is- well, this is what's interesting because it depends on where you get your information. Some people actually are under the impression that Pazuzu is a Judeo-Christian demon, that he was a okay. fallen angel. But the, the truth is, is that, yeah, he was an ancient Sumerian deity and his brother, Humwawa, uh, is, is there with him. But I, he's not a, a Judeo-Christian deity either. So it's like, you know. Christianity has, uh, at certain points in history, adopted uh, certain things into their uh, sort of religion to be able to, uh, as a part of their missionary work, in a sense. See, we have this too. See, we have uh, th- this big cross, you know, that you may think of as Thule, but, uh, you know, we, we have uh, the, the Yule Log, and we have, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put his birth around Christmas and and, you know, we'll do these things to make you all feel comfortable and come into our religion. So I'm thinking that maybe Pazuzu was a part of that whole adoption thing, which is, you know, adoption's great. Thank you, those of you that adopt children. But uh, it, it, he he was a, a Mesopotamian or an ancient Sumerian uh, kind of beast. And the, the only thing that they really say to tip you off, if you don't recognize the statue, which no one in 1973 would have uh, recognized that statue, if if you didn't recognize that, the only other tip off they gave is Marin looking at that that head uh, from the dig and saying "evil against evil," because Pazuzu then, is uh, famous for that. And then later on, too, I think it's interesting that uh, when the little girl Reagan is possessed, the demon says, "I'm Satan" or "I'm the devil." He's doesn't a liar. actually refer to <laughs> doesn't refer to uh, Pazuzu. He's, he's a bragger. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm the CEO of this company, right? Yeah. I'm George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also in Christianity, there's a thing where people, since it's a monotheistic religion, they believe that all the other religions in the world are sort of powered by demons pretending to be God or, or pretending to be gods. That's a really common, at least that's really common in Protestants. And I think in Catholicism too, but um I think and Pazuzu in particular was traditionally, like you say, he was a god who was used to ward off other gods. It was Lamashku, I think. Like an evil eye god. Yeah. Yeah. And so you would use this sort of like, look at this badass thing. It's going to protect me from the other evil thing and protect my children. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting. I, I don't remember seeing pazuzu turning up anywhere before blatty's novel so i'm not sure if this is something he came up with on his own like from some of his other reading i'd really like to find out that if i can if if we find anything on that i'll put it in the show notes so excellent and uh so we've mentioned the effect that this movie had on people i mean this was to to watch it today honestly it seems a little bit dated to me some of the effects in there uh, we happened to watch the, I think it was the it was the Blu-ray version. The director's cut. Right. And yeah, it's very crystal clear. And so to see some of that that makeup up front, it just looks very fake. And just some of the effects, the, uh, now when she vomits, or one of the times that she vomits, is that actually pea soup? Is that, because uh, yes. I've heard you joke about that and I wasn't sure if it. 
It, yeah, it was like it was a mixture of stuff. Actually, peas made yeah, green. Yeah. Pea soup. Yeah. And the, the problem was is that it was cold. Uh, so it was a little thicker than they expected. So when they put a little extra pressure to make it come out of the tubes, it rocketed out and <laughs> hit him dead in the face. Uh, wasn't supposed to do that. But uh, you don't want peas parched hot and you don't want peas parched cold. <laughs> yeah. And you don't, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, it, to me, it does seem very dated, some of the effects. And, and I understand the movie itself is. is I mean, obviously, seeing it on the screen the first time, you don't get a chance to rewind and do any of that. Mm-hmm. And then. Sure. Your memory quality, not that good, but like now, like, like I, I saw it on VHS first and uh, the, the effects look remarkable, but now if I look at it on a big, you know, 4k TV or whatever, you know, suddenly Max von Sydow, the old priest, you can tell he's wearing makeup, but mm-hmm. yeah, he aged to actually look so much like the character in the film. He's, he, you know, he recently passed away and he was such a fantastic actor, oh. but he looked like he was in the exorcist. exactly like that character for the rest of his life. He just kept aging into it. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dick Smith uh, is just such a great makeup artist, uh, and and he passed away just a few years ago as well. Um, okay. And yeah, he was on who did the makeup on Dustin Hoffman in Little Big Man uh, for that old makeup. So he's he's excellent at that. And I thought his job on on uh, Max von Sydow is incredible although we don't really know Max von Sydow for the exorcist as much as we know him for that fantastic movie he did in the 80s called the uh, strange brew with Bob and Doug McKenzie um that's but, really when you say, for, uh, the condor but I you know, <laughs> really where he broke out I think when you say Dick Smith too I think of the Australian entrepreneur not a, a makeup artist <laughs> yeah that's not not that dick not that um, dick yeah. is that a bit different <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not anymore yeah but yes yeah, so we're talking about uh, people going and seeing this film i heard that it was banned i don't know where it was banned maybe it was in the uk because people were having allegedly heart attacks and they were vomiting and fainting so did this kind of thing really go on yes yeah but it, much like the story of the curse around the film i think that the movie company themselves really latched onto that and promoted it to make it part of the marketing it became kind of a dare film you know Um, yeah i i found some newspaper articles which i'll link to in the show notes where in november the movie came out in december of 73 in november of 73 there were these articles uh i think the main one was written by rex reed the movie critic i think he's still around but it's a story about the movie being delayed and the reason it was delayed there's all this this sort of litany of of woes these things that went wrong during the making of the movie i wanted to see i I wanted to read that but i was trying to see if i could find it Um, it was a a very long production it went way over budget it went way over time and when you're talking that amount of time i mean you had a set catch on fire you had uh, multiple deaths and i think there were nine deaths all the way around but many of them were just really kind of tertiary, you know, sort of deaths. It wasn't like the main actor died or, you know, so, but, but Burke Dent, the guy, actor who played Burke Dennings died. And uh, I'm trying to think uh, if there was anyone else major in the movie. Yeah. Let me, can I, can I read this away. little excerpt here? Absolutely. Okay. So it says, um, everybody in the movie experienced some kind of horror. Max von Sydow's brother died the day he arrived for his first scene, and the film was again delayed while he returned to Sweden for the funeral. The little girl's grandfather died the first week of the picture. One of the carpenters cut his thumbs off. Irish actor Jack McGowan, who plays the motion picture director, who was murdered by the demon possessing the child, dropped dead one week after his death scene. The statue of the demon, which stands 10 feet tall, was shipped to Iraq in a box 15 feet tall for location scenes. Every freight company, including Flying Tigers, was involved in ensuring the box, which was so big it could hardly be overlooked. Yet it was lost and ended up in Hong Kong, causing another two-week delay. Then there was delay on the trip to Baghdad. I was supposed to go there in the cool spring, but because I was so behind schedule, I ended up going in the blazing hot summer when it was 130 degrees in the shade. Skipping a little bit, Ellen Burstyn's back was wrenched and she was out for two weeks. By the way, that injury did actually bother her and still bothers her now to this day. Max von Sydow, who is this big, strapping six foot five guy, was out for a week in the middle of his big scenes. Jason Miller's five year old son was struck down on an empty beach by a motorcycle that appeared out of nowhere, and his life was hanging in the balance for several weeks. And the special effects caused any number of injuries to the actor. The whole thing was a nightmare. 
that so i mean this was now they don't say the word curse here but this storyline that they're telling right here in november really like implying that there's something going on supernatural Mm -hmm. against the film and there was a fire there's all kinds of priests come in and bless the sad it it all becomes this narrative of curse Mm-hmm. And there's a series, it's, I know it's on Shudder, I'm not sure where else you might be able to find it, called Cursed Films. And the first episode is all about The Exorcist. And there's some fantastic interviews with, with different people involved in the film. And in one of the interviews, and I can't remember if it's in that documentary if I saw it on YouTube. If I can find it separately, we can link to it. But it's Max von Sydow, and he's being interviewed. What about the cursed set? And he's like, it was two years of filming. Things happen. <laughs> if you put them on a list, you know, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. make it a curse. So mm-hmm. he, yeah, he was very I, I much love, a, a skeptic guy. Yeah, so. I, and I love that because you, you you see once by Ellen Burstyn and she is, it's cursed. And then you yeah. go switch to Max von Sydow and he's like, come on, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's uh, interesting to talk about some of the actors that they use too because I believe that they were relatively unknown at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard that the, um, the actress, the, the main character, the, the mother of the little girl was going to originally be cast. Uh, they were going to cast Audrey Hepburn. Wow! And that I think for uh, the role of the the young priest, they were going to use Marlon Brando or Jack Nicholson, wasn't it? And I just there, think there it'd be very different. Yeah, it would have, would have been a very different film had yeah, they used it would those have been. It would big have name been. actors. That would have been that would have been yeah. wild. Casting really John, John Wayne would have been good. Yeah, I think it's the young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, and then, you know, the, the great thing about the, the most of the priests in the movie, other than the, the two stars uh, priests, uh, they were actually priests. And I think that they brought a lot of authenticity to uh, their roles just from that. Well, I think um, even the young priest, I think he had done, studied to become a Jesuit priest and, and then had lost his faith. And uh, so they, they didn't originally cast him that I think they'd cast someone else. And uh, then had to break that contract because this guy said, this, this actor, this character is me. I want to play this character. Yeah, I think yeah, it was Nicolas Cage that they cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Miller was the uh, Father Karras, and, yes. and, uh, the young priest. And he does a really great job. I think he ended up having uh, a lot of trouble with alcohol later in his career. Uh, I know he appears in... Um, the Exorcist was a theater 3. actor originally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he was. And and when he appeared in, in The Exorcist 3, I you know, I saw that for the first time, I was not expecting to see his face. Yeah. And that made that all of a sudden authentic. That made this well, movie yeah, an Exorcist movie because The Exorcist 2 didn't quite make it. No. Well, I think we that, that's, a good, that. <laughs> that's a good lead in to talk about all the different versions. I mean, there's not only the the movie based on the book there's there are sequels and television series matt you want to tell us a bit about this as as a a big fan we've got just the 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 versions of the movie itself you've got the original theatrical release you've got the 25th anniversary version you've got the version you've never seen you've got the director's cut uh and you know the the blu-ray version you've got all these these versions that uh you know as it goes on don't have as much difference when they started putting in the new cgi and stuff like that it really ruined it for me um I, when they I replaced not... it all the crosses with cell phones so yes <laughs> yeah oh, so annoying yeah yeah uh, well i i did think it was uh, annoying and i i think you didn't like it either with the uh the face of the demon kind of popping up yeah that's like, i i didn't didn't care for tacky. that um well and to me i get a little well, you know, they changed uh, it Yes, just what? what do they do? What do they do? I don't know about this. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. The original. So the, the original, it was, you know, terrifying all by itself. Yeah, it was uh, a woman with makeup. And what's her name again? Are you talking about Eileen Deeds? Yes, thank you. Eileen. Yes, well, see, I have a little of a PTSD over that um, <laughs> because I know Eileen. You mean PTSD? And- Yes, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. ah, <laughs> that, that made it even worse. I know Eileen and uh she's a bit terrifying uh, in in her own right and uh, the thing is 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 now in the the new versions of the movie her face is popping up everywhere and it's like eileen go away uh and she just won't but come on eileen come on eileen (laughs) (laughs) i swear um but uh so yeah as as time went by they're, they're adding in more of these things now when Billy Friedkin originally took out a lot of the scenes that Billy Blatty wanted in. Uh, these Billies really started worrying yeah. about it, and they their friendship was ruined uh, for quite some time. 
And then as they kind of buried the hatchet or the, the crucifix or whatever. Or the billy club. Uh, yes, the billy club. <laughs> oh, my God. Sometimes I hate you. <laughs> they uh, started the conversation again about putting those scenes back in. And Friedkin really only did it to appease his friend. He didn't really feel that they made the movie any better. And I agree with him because a lot of those scenes, I think, weren't necessary. You know, sometimes it's nice to hear the conversation between the priests on the stairway, but there's something to them just sitting there in silence as well. You know, so I think one of one of the scenes that uh, I didn't really like is where Reagan goes down the stairs. She's a spider walk, a spider, the the spider walk. Uh, I think it's just really cheesy and tacky. And and then when she vomits up blood, it just. It's cheesy. Now, the, the original take of that was she wasn't supposed to vomit blood but what she does is she flips over and she starts chasing one of the characters named sharon with this long slithery tongue this is like snake and she's chasing her trying to lick her ankles and her mother's trying to stop her and that is just creepy her acting like having seen that that yeah i think that was I don't know, more, be- more believable. Well, it's, well it's, it's more true to the book. That's how the book had it written. And uh, the, the problem is, is that take, there was something wrong with either the, the, the film aspect of it or the audio aspect of it that they couldn't use it. So they used one of the other takes where they had her spitting out blood. And it was actually a contortionist that they had go down the stairs and then had a mouthful of blood. And I thought that was terrible. I thought Which it, is it impressive to see the, the contortionist, but it's just, yeah. it's tacky. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of, it was it was disappointing. But anyway, The Exorcist Two, Exorcist Avoid, Three right, was yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, you know, has uh, it has a, has a really great jump scare in it. I mean, a really it, what really it's, good. It's jump considered scare. the best jump scare yeah. in any film. And uh, the first time I saw it, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it'll yeah, get you. It'll get you. I, I felt like I had some rabbit raisins. So I had to empty yeah. out of my shorts. It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what about you know, all of the the TV series as well? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. But uh, the thing is, is with The Exorcist 3, it should have been The Exorcist 2 because that was kind of the book. It was Legion, The Exorcist 2. And it takes place just a little while after The Exorcist. That's a book. So, yeah, yeah, it's called Legion. Okay. And it's the characters, you know, of Kinderman, the the, the detective and the uh, friend of the, the young priest. And why is his name escaping me? Father the Dyer. Dyer Father Dyer. Yeah, they're back. And then Jason Miller is back. And it's a great movie. You know, I'm not going to say it's the best movie of all time because it's not, but it is a very good movie. And it's so far above The Exorcist 2 that it's, it's the best attempt yeah, they've they, had. They had to sequel. change. I think Lee J. Cobb had died. And so mm-hmm. they used, um, yeah, yeah, George C. Scott. George C. Scott, yes. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget, we covered the Changeling on this series before. So that was, yes, yeah. yeah. So we if have, you haven't yeah. seen our Changeling uh, dotes uh, based on a true story, go back and watch that. It's excellent. Yeah, that's a good one. So, so but yeah, Lee J. Cobb is, I mean, he was fantastic in that role, but George C. Scott picks it up. I mean, they, it's not completely interchangeable, but he does a really good right. job as well. So, yeah, it's like when they replaced Darren on Bewitched. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> couldn't tell. Dick Sergeant, Dick yep. York, Sergeant exactly. York. It's yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dicks again, you guys. Yes, I a lot know. Of dicks. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of dicks in it. Uh, it's, uh, so yeah, Exorcist 3, I, I recommend if you haven't seen it. And the jump scare, you'll know it when you see it. That's all I can say about that. Uh, but then they did two prequels. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, Not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Movies or let's move on. 
Yeah. Okay. See, the thing is, the director that was directing the the first prequel and his name escapes me, but he he passed away partway through. So they brought in oh, someone else. The curse. <laughs> yes, the curse got him. Brought someone else to finish it. The studio hated it, so they hired another director, Rennie Arlen. Yes. Okay. So he started over, and he basically reshot the entire thing. That's the one that got released. Replaced all the characters with Gina Davis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> except, except for um, interesting. <laughs> except for the character playing Marin, who was um, the guy who is also in Thor, uh, and it's not Chris Hemsworth. We are doing great with the names. Yes. Uh, Well, there's so so much to this. I mean, there there is so much. In previous episodes of the Based on a True Story, we've talked about one movie and and the folklore behind it. But with this, I mean, this is this has been to this day. uh, There are still new versions being made, and there's a lot lot of backstory. Well, yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah, we we do want to get to that backstory as well. Yes, we do. Uh, So the thing is, is now there's two. Exorcist prequels being made. The one that gets released is The Exorcist, The Beginning. And then it was terrible. So the the fans started screaming for the other one to be released. So it gets released, and it's the Jack Snyder version. And uh, uh, no, not Zack Snyder. Uh, it's the, the other guy. Uh, so, yeah, so the original one comes out, and it's Dominion. <laughs> Is what it's called. Dominion. D. Dominion. D. Snyder. Yes. Oh, D. D. Snyder. <laughs> oh, you're, I thought you're making a joke because the Zack Snyder cut comes out tomorrow. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. tomorrow from when we tape. From when we're recording this. Right. Yes. Yeah. So by now, you already know it's terrible. So I'm not, <laughs> you cut this off. By now, you already know it's great. Okay, yes. Anyway, exactly. Pick whichever takes yes. accurate. I'll <laughs> edit. I'll edit that. I promise. So it, it's uh, so both of those prequels were awful. But then the next thing they do is they do a TV series. Now, personally, I love the TV series. I thought it was great. This is two the seasons. Most recent one. Yeah. Did you get to see it? Like, no. But I remember something my father told me, which was if they had made a TV series out of Titanic, it would still be sinking right now. Uh, so that's <laughs> why. <laughs> go. It's it's on Hulu. Okay. Go, go and watch it. Uh, Should I, I really enjoy yes. this? It is. Good. I enjoyed them. Yeah. How many? How many? I they were really good. episodes. Two. Well, it's two seasons. So two seasons, probably like, twenty six or something. But it's it is good, and it's fun. There's a lot of in there. Okay, so reveals. it's a prequel set in the seventies. No, it is modern day. Okay, it's a prequel set in the nows. It's not a prequel. It's not a prequel. Okay, it's a series based on what? You'll see. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say that the demon is the same okay and he is actually called out by name and then there's one other two other characters actually that are the same that get revealed later who they are um and it's a, a bit unexpected and it's great i, I really enjoyed it and the, the, and the a very two modern priests, day version too yeah, i think it's the, it but they have, have the old element. priest and the young priest kind oh, of. oh so like now it's modern so like if there's when the when the demon makes people vomit it's like organic gluten-free piece of <laughs> right right <laughs> or it's like monster drink or something like that yeah, right but uh so yeah it's it's good but then you have the other great one this was another this was a remake i guess you could say it's the the only way i can think to to, to call it so now this is the scene and this is a Turkish version. The Turkish one. <clears throat> now, this is not The Exorcist. In no way is this The Exorcist. They they make no claim that this is The Exorcist. It's called Satan. It's called um, not The Exorcist. Yes, yes. <laughs> but this is the scene where the young priest sees the young girl for the first time. All right. Am I supposed to see that tube going up her nose? Yes. Because yeah, okay. the tube was in her nose in The Exorcist as well. That was like an IV, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. It was like, yeah. Okay. I, I want to make sure it wasn't like a special effect blood thing. So, yeah, but no. No, yeah, so yeah. this is how the puke is going to come out. They're going right, to push exactly. it up her nose and out her mouth. But yeah, uh, well, that, that's absolutely nothing like The Exorcist. Nothing. No, no, I, no. Get, I mean, what, why did you show that? No similarities. Uh, just a filler. I, it's just filler. Um, I like the no, name too. It is, yeah. yeah this, is a, this is a shot for shot remake. And it is And they never got hilarious. sued. Uh, yeah, it was attempted, but since it was in Turkey, I guess the the laws were, they, you know, and they just said, no, not us. And it gets stuffed. Yeah, basically. So, but yeah, so that was a very interesting one. And then, then we also had. Have you seen the whole one. thing? Is it? I have, I have sat through the entire thing. Uh, you're a dedicated fan. 
uh, or, or a complete idiot could go either way. Now, we also have the, the parodies. So I'm sure you've seen the scene from uh, Scary Movie 2. And so the, the music, what do we know about that? Because it is very iconic. And just to hear that being played with the, the, the fall weather in the background is yeah. very, very chilling. Well, the, the original soundtrack, the story is that the composer turned it over to Billy Freakin and Freakin listened to it and then chased him out of the building, throwing the tapes at him, uh, hated it. So he went himself and uh, licensed tubular bells for uh, that music that is so iconic. And tubular bells is actually about 20 minutes long. It's long. Part it's one. Long. And I love it. It's great. It's a great piece. Of that, music. That's Mike Oldfield. Is that right? Yes. Mike he's Oldfield. a multi-instrumentalist. I think he played everything that's in that, in that music. It's all yes. him. Yeah. Yes. It's astonishing. Yeah. It's a really great piece. Yep. And, and if you haven't heard it, I love the, was it Pilt Down Man section? Um, he gets extra drunk for that part in the. Uh, I've only, I've only heard it digitally. So I've never like seen it on a piece, like an album with track like sections broken out so i've only heard it as one big long play with no names on it you could probably just do a quick youtube search and look for michael field piltdown man and you'll find that section nice Um, it is it is great but uh yeah so the music was wonderful and then he just brought in all these little bits and pieces you know for the scenes and and you know throughout the original score so and i think he it was great not having the typical kind of score behind it actually created extra tension i think so i definitely appreciate that um and then we have another one see now linda blair was haunted so to speak by this movie for a long time and it caused her even some psychological problems so even more than rick springfield yeah (laughs) there might have been some hand in hand (laughs) she did a movie as kind of a bit of therapy oh yeah i remember that with leslie nielsen yeah so yeah doing a comedy is how Linda Blair got some therapy to try to just exercise herself of the the bad juju that she felt was follow, you know following her uh, yeah. after doing this now, movie. I think haven't you mentioned too that uh, Billy Freakin played some tricks on the actors, so kind of a bit like a Hitchcock and in, in the way that he he did. There was a lot of on them to, to get on, them to, to act emote. a certain way. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of onset abuse. Uh, he fired guns and stuff like that to try to get reactions out of him. Uh, the the priest that played Father Dyer uh, got a really nice smack across the lips at the uh, the end to get him to do those last rites in in a really you know tense manner. You know, he's doing the last rites, but what he wanted to do is is make Billy freaking need the last rites. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, it was. <clears throat> Not not the best set to be working on, I think. I mean, Max von Sydow said that he found him stimulating, but you would expect that from such a classical actor like like Max. But, <laughs> but everybody else is like, that's some bitch. Uh, they did not like him at all. But I, I know that after the, the film, and like actually fairly recent, maybe like, I think it was like 2017, 2018, Friedkin did a new documentary where he went with an actual Catholic priest and documented a an exorcism, and it was called um, "The Devil and Father um, Amorth." Yep. And um, I haven't had a chance to watch it. I've, I've added it to my collection, so it's on my Not very watch list. Well, I heard that like it gives like real footage of the exorcism, but also he takes the footage to people to examine it, and they explain how some of it may have been faked and like you know is influenced by people's belief and. The film itself, The Exorcist, really sort of created a template for people to know how to behave in an exorcism. And it's, yes. it's, I don't know what things were like before this. I'm sure they were interesting, but this is really changed. Like the whole thing about, you know, convulsions and speaking in a deep voice and making weird sounds. And uh, it's all, it's all become, if you watch like a modern exorcism, in America, at least, they they seem to follow this movie, even if they're not Catholics doing it. The people right. per, who are possessed, yeah. air quotes, are going through these sort of uh, these activities as though in, it clearly influenced by this film. Well, you bring up a great yeah, point. Is- Karen and I have actually witnessed uh, several exorcisms done by Bob Larson. That was, was exactly who I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. And, we've and seen funny. him a number of times. Yeah, and when you yeah. go in, when you're filing into the room, he's got a video playing of him doing exorcisms. 
And oh, so it, he really gives you, you here's what you're going to be going through. Exactly. Yeah, this is so, how you role play. Right. Exactly. exactly. So he is, he's, he's giving everybody the suggestions they need to be able to pull off. And it is funny because there's a lot of people that are really hoping that they're going to be the ones possessed. Uh, you know, we I think were, it's like going to see one of those hypnosis shows and, and to, oh, oh, pick me, pick me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you want to be the magician's chicken. assistant for this one trick. And, because, and, you know, it's, well, I mean, people are desperate to find absolution. I think that they do go there believing. I mean, the, the people yeah. that we've seen, I think that they were religious and they were absolutely going in with drug problems, alcohol problems, yeah. uh, relationship problems, and they were looking for a solution. And yeah. absolutely the videos that were priming them to know how to, to respond and to, to give a good show to everyone as well, because they were, I think, filming part of, of that too. And oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's like a professional wrestler or, you know, when you're, when you're the amateur yeah. level, you film everything you do. So, you, you know, get your highlight reel together. Yeah. Oh, he had a highlight reel. That's for yeah. sure. But I remember there was a woman that was sitting in front of us and, you know, she had some problems. I mean, she, she didn't know whether to blame herself or blame a demon for the things she had done, obviously. And she was sitting there growling, trying to get his attention you know, me, me, me. And he, he looked at her and kind of just shook his head and moved on. Uh, wow. So it was kind of funny. And he, he was definitely up- looking for a type of person. He knew what he was searching for and who yeah. would react appropriately and, and uh, give a good performance so that he could get more donations from the congregation. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it worked well for him, but yeah, that, it, you're exactly right. That whole template is, is huge in, in making these things seem authentic, uh, no doubt. So, but yeah, with this, you know, taking it from there, we've got this, this true story supposedly, uh, that takes place in, uh, was it 1949? Yep, and it's a little confusing too, because, uh, there are different names and different places, I think he's referred to as Roland Doe Richard. or Ronald Doe or, or Richard. And uh, some sources say that this happened in Washington and others say it happened in St. Louis. But I think it might have actually happened because this happened over the course of uh, months as well. Right. In The Exorcist, everything really happens in, in one night. They have this right, in a house, master right, yeah. item. Yeah. yeah, and that, that just happens over the course of a few hours. Comparatively, in this this true story, I think it's over two months. Uh, and I think that the, so, and, and again, another difference is that uh, this happened to a boy. So not to a 13 year old girl, but to a, I think 12 or 13 year old boy. Right. right. He, he, it starts in, in, in Maryland, in um, Mount Rainier, Rainier, Rainier. It, it, it starts in that area. And, but he ends up going to St. Louis where his aunt lives, I believe. And he's being treated. He, he didn't like his situation. He wanted to get away from the school he was in and a bunch of other things. But he goes to St. Louis, and there he's treated for psychological issues and for a mental health program, but also by uh, various priests from different sort of sects. Like, yeah, there's I think Lutheran and Lutheran Catholic. Lutheran and yeah. Episcopal. Yeah. yeah. So ultimately, they do see a bunch of phenomena, phenomenon. If you look at the original, like the contemporary news stories, they describe it as, uh, uh, you know, being uh, the work of the devil, but they also describe it as being a very similar to a poltergeist case. And right. uh, it's, it's interesting. There's, it starts with a dripping water sound and scratches in the wall. Scratches, and yeah. Things being thrown around. Real and, reminiscent of the infield poltergeist. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Or the I mean, it, poltergeist is reminiscent. Of, yeah, more put yeah. that around. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Chronologically, yeah. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting because um, I don't know. He didn't. I mean, I don't think his family was Catholic, you know. But yeah, I, I think they were. He, the things he was doing are all very, very, very familiar to anybody who's ever read about a poltergeist case. And I always find that fascinating because they're, they're the kind of cases as, as investigators we want to see we want to see cases where things are happening you know right. things are flying around the room and people are being thrown around and furniture's moving that's that sounds exciting that's something to look and, at and that's that was a big part of the claims as well that furniture was moving and that he was strapped down in a chair or something and the chair levitated and that uh, multiple times he'd be in bed and the bed would start shaking or the bed would just move across the room 
Uh, but I did think it was a little disturbing too that in the true story, I think that this young uh, boy had stayed with the priests uh, in question for a couple of nights or even it could have been a couple of weeks. Yeah. And yeah, it was wow. only then that he was convinced of the, the phenomena. And I just thought, oh, it's just a bit suspicious to have a boy, young boy stay with a priest. This was a simpler time, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> this was exactly like that what that kind reported. of thing was going on. Yeah. yeah so, simpler <laughs> time. There, what's happened is since the case happened, since the case original effects happened, there, a diary uh, multiple authors have reported of having read a diary of the priests who were performing this right. stuff. And two different books have come out about that, well, probably more than that, but two that I'm aware of that sort of one kind of unveils who the real person was who was having this stuff happen. And the other one goes into a great deal of detail about what went on during the actual exorcism, which again, took place over weeks and weeks, not overnight. And ultimately, you know, according to everybody involved, as far as I've read, the boy is cured of his situation whatever that is whether that and they, there were all kinds of speculation for mental health issues and in addition to the supernatural and he went on to have a very normal life from everything we've been able to find i don't right. think he was i don't think he was ever interviewed again uh the nope. rest of his life I think, were, you know, you, just, I think you can trace him to his true name and and you can trace the address I, yeah but i did dig up his name and his address but i'm in no way wanting to dox him well, yeah, <laughs> didn't he pass away? I think he may have. Maybe I'm wrong on that. According to the newspaper The Guardian, Ronald Edwin Hunkeller, who was the anonymous boy at the heart of this original news story that inspired Blatty's novel, passed away in 2020, just shy of his 86th birthday. I'll put a link to that news story in the show notes. But uh, yeah, the, the the actual address, you know, some people have found it. And of course, the people that are living there are actually, I think the house may have been more recently torn down. And, oh, the one in Maryland's definitely gone, yeah, yeah. From, from my understanding. So, so but uh, yeah, that address is, has been out there and his name has been out there um, as well. And uh, it's I like Amityville, it. uh, like the story's over, but people still find ways to get a book out of it. And I, I yeah. mean, uh, and people want to go legend tripping and to people want a legend trip. People want to see the, the original bed that he was in, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And yeah, that, that was another thing, too. Uh, wasn't there uh, scratches and welts that would appear on his skin? Right. And I think in the movie, the words help me appear uh, right. coming out of her stomach. Yeah. That's really uh, common for, for that kind of uh, experience uh, for people to be able to. But you can also, you can just take your fingernail and scratch on yourself and it'll turn red later and raise up. So, I mean. And well, it does seem like he was a troubled kid and yeah. so he might have been having issues at home and he could have been cutting himself. He could have been. If he's alive himself. now, and if he happens to run into this, I bet he, if he doesn't want to be talked to, he probably doesn't want to see any of this. But I hope he's doing okay. I really do. You know, yeah. and, you know. We're not going to get anything definitive out of him. We've already seen, now, at least in his defense, he's not cashing in on it because goodness gracious, yeah, you know, there'd be a lot to is. cash in on. Yeah, But, you know, there has been a movie, at least a movie or two, on just his story. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember the name of it. It was either The Possessed or uh, Dominion or Dominus or one of those. I can't remember what it was called. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know. Dominatrix was that? That's you. That's yeah. well. By coincidence, the, the Travel Channel. This is. I think this is very funny to me. The Travel Channel has been doing a series of uh, what I can only say is extremely pro paranormal documentaries about uh, various topics. They just did one. Uh, the series is called Shock Docs, and uh, mm-hmm. they did one. It was extremely. You know the word hagiographic? It's like it's like when you make saints out of people. That's it's kind of like that for the Warrens. But the one they just dropped last week was on the exorcist and the true story oh. of the Roland Doe exorcism. So I haven't got a chance to watch it yet, but I'm I'm gonna track it down. Have to check that out. If it lives up to what the Warrens one was like, it, it it'll, yeah. it'll be a real treat for skeptics. Yeah. So <laughs> it seems like one of the things that's kind of dropped out of the story, and I don't know why, was that first. I don't I don't know if he's a Lutheran pastor or that the. the kids the family's pastor uh that was kind of checking him out i believe it was him that uh he was you know trying to test the kid and find out if he was possessed and 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 uh the kid actually ripped a bed spring out of the bed and stabbed him with it wow and okay, that yeah, has since that. yeah that has since dropped out of this the more current stories or retellings anyway hmm. of it hmm. and, and that's interesting 
Did, that was he not- hurt or did he bounce back? <laughs> <laughs> well, the doctors did say he was highly strong. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Bad nipple. Uh, but Stop yeah, it. it is. Both of them recoiled. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, so it's, that's been a great episode. <laughs> it's it's just interesting to me that uh, the the book and the movie are based on this this true story, and uh, you know whatever the truth is, and that this kind of thing wasn't supposedly taking place so much before, and yet following the movie and and the book, this is just such a common thing and such a popular thing now. I mean, yeah. the church still maintained that they have to exhaust every possible natural avenue, which is a skeptical premise, uh, before they would perform an exorcism. But uh, it just seems like it, since the, the movie and the book came out that this kind of thing has, has been very popular, certainly in, in pop culture and, and folklore, and um, you know, people looking to that as a, a possible uh, explanation and uh, form of treatment for whatever is ailing them in real life. And excuse. Well, you know, it's it's if you look at the time, maybe I mean, do it. This came out, um, you know, not even ten years after Vatican Council II, which had done a lot towards sort of renovating Catholic doctrine. To, to it seems like there were two real big forces, like one wanting to say, okay, the Bible is a beautiful poetic book about how God loves us, and then there's always been that no, no, no. The Bible is a very literal, true story about the devil and how he's trying to get us. And so sort of the liberal, rational, I believe in a deity that loves me. And, you know, but this book was written by humans. That group was kind of uh, getting a little pushed forward. And then suddenly out comes the exorcist and like, no, 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 the devil's real. He's real. He's after us. And he can take over your kids if you're not baptized. Uh, you know, you can get possessed and um, mm-hmm. it, it put that literally put that fear of the devil, you know, back into the uh, the narrative in the in the public mm-hmm. discourse that and um, uh, Rosemary's baby, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. both of those had kind of sort of like. And then I guess the omen, there's like those sort of the triumvirate of uh, movies that this stuff's real. And it's going to get you, well, you know. Yeah, I think so. Matt had uh, said to me before that um, this even sent a lot of people to Catholicism. Or, yes. Uh, lapsed Catholics sent them back to church and had a lot of people converting to Catholicism. And a lot of exorcism requests. You could draw the line straight from puke to pews. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> that, that line that never stops, does it, Blake? Just, <laughs> you never stop. Uh, but, but the book, the book was was amazing. and. What uh, uh, Vladdy did is he wrote a screenplay, yeah, and, and brought it to Freakin. It's very, very close to what you see on the screen. Well, and- the, the, what he brought to Freakin though wasn't. It was yeah. very overwrought with with uh, Catholic imagery and 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 all, all kinds of subtext. And and he was Freakin Catholic, wasn't he? It's, yeah, he, yeah, yes. He very, very, very. In fact, he ended up Unlike suing Freakin. Georgetown within the Catholic system because yeah. uh, he said that they were out of uh, whack with Catholic doctrine, like promoting mm-hmm. abortion and other stuff. So. Yeah, he's very, very, very Catholic, but he was also very funny and a very good screenwriter. Well, yeah, but, and he wrote comedies, and they yeah, were yeah. great comedies. He, really good. Like he wrote the uh, uh, Shot in the Dark, which is the second Pink Panther movie. So that's, I oh, mean, wow. he's really funny. But, yeah. but uh, he also. And that was one of the wonderful things about The Exorcist uh, are the funny scenes, the oh, stuff some, between. There's some humor in it. <laughs> yeah, like, you there know, is the, some funny stuff. The crucifix, uh, the, uh, the, the one between Karis uh, and Kinderman. Yeah, their track. whole relationship about watching movies all the time, always talking about movies is mm-hmm. great. That's, that's yeah, stuff. It's, they're they're very good. But and you, yeah, I so think you need that. Great, but... um, you need that levity because it's just so yeah. such you a stressful, the, yeah, the release film of but, yeah, the yeah. comedy. But that was the thing is is his first screenplay was terrible, and Freakin just opened up the book and started highlighting things. Yeah. So it is. This movie is ripped from the pages of the yeah, book. If you if you get the audio book, it's actually read. Uh, by Blatty, and mm-hmm. it, it's oh, wow. he does a fantastic job. It's really, really good. I, I, so, you know, I don't think. I mean, as a skeptic, the events that happened in '49, most of them seem very plausibly explained away mm-hmm. by yeah, natural phenomena, trickery, definitely. and all kinds of other things, uh, combined with uh, the religious people having a motivation to accept, you know, a religious explanation for what happened. But if you look at the book. 
you know, he's he's done a really nice job of mishmashing all the best out. Like the, it's the best of, you know, and then amping it up a little bit. And then when you read like the real account and then you read the novel, if you're going to emulate something, the movie's the way to go. You know, the movie and the novel are like very exciting, you know. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, there's a real I think there's been a huge impact from this film in the way that it affected horror movies and the way yes. that it affected horror audiences and the way that it affected um, our religious perceptions of evil. I mean, it's just, it's had an enormous impact. Um, Absolutely. You know, I'm still super skeptical of all of it, but I still enjoy it as a work of fiction. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what do you think? They're going to do a reboot of the exorcist. What do you think? Leave it alone or can we improve on it? I think in some ways it can be improved upon because it is so dated. I, I think it'd be interesting to see it rebooted so when's this coming out uh i i have no further information other than there's a group of fans that are outraged <laughs> and a group of fans that can't wait and i, I, say I, that, I, like, I will go i'll go i'll go see it i'll, oh, you I'll, will. I'll, I'll probably see it but i what i want i guess the thing is if you if there's this tendency to move things into the like modern times and i think much of the things that happened in that film only worked because they happened in a time when we didn't have cell phones and VHS and all these other things to, you know, why didn't they film that? Why didn't they, you know, why, why didn't he and they call? Might why didn't he say, you know, text me. They you might know, said it at well, and it's not supposed to be a remake. Yeah. So that means it may not follow the book the way yeah. the, right. the original did, but it's like the, the TV series is set in modern times and there are people with cell phones you know, that are out there, uh, you know, in this uh, remake or in this uh, reimagining, I guess you'd say, uh, that are, you know, using their cell phones to get pictures and video and everything else. And it's, it's a, I, I do recommend you go watch the series. Yeah, I, I would say that, uh, so as far as remakes go and reboots go, uh, I have so many friends who work in the industry. And I'm glad to see them get work. So, <laughs> yeah, good yeah, job, yeah, you know, yeah. so good luck. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, the, the original work will still be there if, if, you, if you don't like the new thing, you know. Yeah. And Gina Davis will, will be, be doing mocap uh, for all of it. <laughs> <laughs> thank uh, you for joining us. Uh, yeah, I hope thank you've you. Enjoyed it was, this. Yeah, it's fun yeah. talking about this movie. It's a real classic. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard an audio version from our YouTube series debased on a true story. You can find more of these on our video channel at youtube.com forward slash monster talk. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindle so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk theme music by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Thank you so much for listening. you've enjoyed this episode of monster talk each episode we strive to bring you the very best in monster related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation if you enjoy monster talk we now have a variety of ways to support the show all with convenient links 
at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.